Hello, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode, gold mining, giant ants, um, shetuckite, all kinds of rocks and minerals. That's right, radical rocks are everywhere, and today we're going to talk about a bunch of them. We're going to talk about Hawaii, rare Hawaii gems and crystals. Um, we're going to talk about the $6.5 billion in jewelry and gemstone, Viking treasures, the oldest reptile, um, Shetukite, which is a beautiful blue uh, mineral that's very collectible. It's also uh, can be found in lapidary quality. We'll talk about the cargo gold mine, giant ants, and so much more, guys. So stay tuned with us for that. Um, I want to thank everybody for liking, subscribing, running a little late this week on my episode for you guys because uh, I've just been really super busy and um, started some uh, new work. So um, it's just been one thing after another. So Thank you again for your liking and subscribing uh, to the YouTube videos, the podcast, and, um, you know, check us out on social media. You can go to MeWe, you can go, you can find us on um, Facebook, all kinds of stuff. We've got a group there, Radical Rocks group, and if it's not Radical Rocks, then you can find us at Radical Rocks USA, and it'll pop up usually with a beautiful um, geode there with... Uh, that I have very rare geode anyway so let's get into it um, exploration by drilling firm shines light on a gold seam this is in Northern Ireland our friends in Ireland there's a hundred and thirty three foot seam of gold bearing rock that was discovered here you can go to newsletter.co.uk and Adam Kula tells us all about this ongoing exploration. Um, the drilling, they have a video here. The drilling said that uh, it's close to about 135 and a half uh, meters or 444 feet deep. Uh, this thing extends for about 40 and a half meters or 133 feet and um, this is a pretty cool piece of gold here. They're very excited about uh, seeing what else they can find besides this stringer here of gold. So we'll see what happens. Those might be forward-looking statements, but that's, that's what we have there. Now, scientists are always making discoveries, and uh, you hear me being skeptical on some of the claims here because... You know, it seems like everything's always the oldest, the biggest, and so on and so forth. And um, not to discredit all the fine contributions that are added. I love learning about the new fossils and creatures. We're going to talk about several today that are very interesting. 
But uh, sometimes they make little tiny mistakes, and sometimes they make big mistakes. So fossils that are thought to be marine creatures come to find out it's just seaweed. It's not even a living organism. TheGuardian.com tells us about this at their The Guardian uh, website there. Nicholas, uh, Nicola K.S. Davis tells us all about it. And um, they've got some pictures of some of these fossils here that uh, were found in Australia. And they thought these were uh, creatures together. And now they're like, nope, nope, looks like, looks like it's seaweed. And um, they are not skeletons of mollusks or anything else. So they're uh, trying to uh, verify this for sure and, um, and check it out. So things are always changing. It's quite a lengthy article if you want to read that. It uh, goes into some detail. And uh, check it out. Have fun with it. Have you heard of the Rainbow River? This is another one. I didn't even talk about it in the introduction. This Rainbow River is pretty cool. Um, in San, San Jose de Buenas Vista and Antique, this area, we're told on pna.gov.ph by Annabella Consuelo Pet. Tingle that uh, this area is a big draw to people who come to see it. It's actually a river uh, bed that is laden with gemstones. It's known as the Rainbow River. They got a picture of it here. There's orange, blue, green, purple, uh, you know, yellows, whites, lots of blues. Really beautiful. This area here, the Rainbow River, is a natural park that is protected. There is a superintendent there. Um, they will, the they do mine this a little bit or pick some of the stones. Um, it was featured by the United Nations and uh, has become a protected area. The river stretches uh, along what they call the SNP, popular spot for visitors. There's tourists nearly every day. The headwater stretches from Barangay um, to San Ramingo to the Indaga Creek in Barangay uh, Imperian. And I'm not familiar with this area, but some of the incredibly rich, semi-precious stones that are there is quartz, jade, onyx, and other things, which are only allowed to be limitedly collected by locals who process this into jewelry, um, but this one area is very protected and uh, it's quite beautiful and quite a amazing thing to see. Um, some of these gemstones are up to 22 inches in diameter um, or, or even bigger. So check that out, pretty cool. Canada's discovered a giant ant. This is the first giant ant found in Princeton British Columbia. You can check it out on globalnews.ca. Uh, Kareem Golda tells us all about it. She's got a picture of this. It's an ant. It's a winged ant. This baby was six inches long. That is, man, imagine that thing biting you. I mean, that's bigger than your open hand. And, you know, ants are like 10 times, they can lift stronger than 10 times their own weight. I mean, that thing will probably snip off your fingers, right? And if it stung you, you'd probably drop dead. 
this thing was big enough to probably catch and eat a hummingbird, okay? Like the red-throated hummingbirds that are pretty popular in uh, North America. These gigantic uh, insects from days gone by when uh, the atmosphere was probably much more enriched with oxygen, according to uh, um, research that I've heard or studies and things like that. So uh, pretty cool. Check that out if you want. There's a big fossil of that. Next. Let's see, should we save the gold mine? Let's save the gold mine. Let's talk about emerald mines. We've talked about them before. If you go to wamu.org, you can find out from uh, NPR about inside the emerald mines and what makes Columbia a global giant of the green gym by John Otis. And they've got some pictures of these beautiful specimens here. Um, looks kind of like a granite. I'm sure it's not, but uh, there are specks of beautiful emeralds in there and uh, they are high value. Colombia is one of the biggest producers. Munzo, Colombia, the biggest, this is in South America, the country of Colombia, is the biggest producer of high valued emeralds, um, pretty much, as far as we know. And there's a story here about a gentleman here who um, has discovered these. He's a 58 year old emerald miner and um, you know, he ended up selling this mine to a uh, company. He's met bishops. He's met famous people around the world. And um, there are no more open pits, but there's tunnels. And um, it says that uh, the Emerald mining region is largely peaceful, although it's been a place that's been tried to take over by uh, drug lords and things like this. But last year, he exported about 128 million in emeralds and the United States is the largest um, buyer of this I would suppose so pretty cool it was first discovered and mined by indigenous people before the Spanish conquest came and it just keeps on yielding these emeralds so if you want to check that out go ahead um, that's a short article so that's pretty much most of it alright Cowboy State Daily this one uh, tripping me out. Okay, Wyoming. There's a gentleman standing here. Um, I don't know how tall he is, but even if he's five foot six, this piece of jade is about as big as him in this picture. It's huge. It's definitely up to his shoulders or higher. It says Wyoming is a home to one of the largest and purest troves of jade in the world. This is in the Wyoming Life and News. Wyoming is in the United States of America. If you go to CowboyStateDaily.com, you can find out about this uh, Wyoming being the home to the largest and purest troves of jade in the world by Wendy Corr, C-O-R-R. And she's got some maps here that show um, uh, information about the host rocks, the jade and the host rocks, this belt of jade that you can find. Um, and they're in rivers. They're everywhere, but Wyoming jade is unlike any other jade in the world, according to this article, because they have so many different flavors and of such great quality. This is not a um, jadeite, but it is a nephrite jade, but it is considered very high quality, and the colors range from white to black, but various shades of green are the most valuable. Now, they get about 90, out of all the jade that they mine, 95% of it, they call it medium to low grade. 
So this would be stuff that you could get probably priced pretty good and make into cabochons and spheres and things like that. It's readily available and um, it can be bought for a few dollars per pound if you buy it in bulk, um, you know, buy maybe 100 pounds of it or so. Or if you buy it, um, you know, just a piece here or there, then it's probably going to cost you, you know, 20 bucks a pound. If you buy slabs of it, you'll probably get slabs for, you know, maybe five, ten dollars. But the better the quality, the more the jade is. If it's very, um, you know, glassy and opaque um, and of a high uh, kind of clearish, then it could go for up to a thousand dollars a pound, or maybe even two thousand dollars per pound. But this is only the five percent of the highest quality jade that comes out of the earth here in Wyoming. So uh, yeah. If you want jadeite, you're going to have to go to Miramar, very limited. Uh, the people that mine that are really have had it hard the last many, many years. It uh, is not, uh, not a great lifestyle. But in uh, Montana, um, it is much better for those folks. But if you look at some of the pictures at the website here, again, cowboy, cowboys, no, cowboystatedaily.com. There's some. This is some spectacular material, the high-grade stuff. It is really pretty. So this has been kind of a, a family um, tradition for the Rhodes family. It's R-H-O-A-D-S. And uh, they've been collecting it, I guess, since the 70s and hunting jade. They found once, uh, I think that's the picture, man. It looks like bigger than 195 pounds, but it says 195-pound jade boulder. That uh, could be worth quite a bit. That's a whopper. So uh, if it's of high quality, that could be worth a lot. And there's a little video here if you want to see it. There's a Wyoming Jade Festival that you can go to. Uh, it's uh, once a year. People travel, for, travel from all over the United States to come to the Jade Festival. It's held in Jeffrey City. So if you want to look that up and find out the details on it. It says this year it will be in August uh, 11th, 12th, and 13th in the Jeffrey City at the Fire Hall. So that might be something you want to check out if you are a Jade fanatic. Next. Wow. Uh, scientists have discovered an energy enzyme allowing them to create energy out of thin air. Now, this may not be a rock and mineral one, but I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of resources are used and dug up out of the ground for energy so when i think of energy um and I, I think of minerals i think of uh things like that so i thought i'd share this with you just for curiosity um for those who are interested in that and enjoy hearing me talk about that part of this uh mineral episode although an enzyme uh, not really a mineral so maybe uh maybe you'll entertain me but uh the website is called wonderfulengineering.com and Shahir Shanhazad is the one who has the article here. And this is really a fabulous discovery, guys. Um, scientists at the Monash University in Australia have made a breakthrough discovery for energy generation. They found a novel enzyme that can create energy from minute amounts of hydrogen that is available in the air. So if you know anything about hydrogen, this is a, you know, a mineral uh, or a substance, a gas, 
um, usually in nature, in the air. Uh, hydrogen is hard to get. It's, it's expensive to get. It burns 100% clean. When hydrogen is burned, it gives off water, it gives off heat, and it gives off uh, uh, oxygen, pure oxygen. So when you squeeze it through a um, fuel cell, basically it, it, it releases one electron for one hydrogen uh, molecule. And then it releases water and oxygen and it creates heat. So it's a wonderful energy source, but the thing is, is it takes so much energy to harvest the hydrogen. So for this um, enzyme that can create energy from the hydrogen, you're thinking, well, if hydrogen's so expensive and hard to get, how is this any good? Well, this enzyme pulls it right out of the air. So there, there's no need to develop something to, to generate hydrogen to get this thing. And when it does this, it produces electricity. So now they, they don't have this perfected for commercial use, but this is an awesome discovery of being able to um, produce electricity from the atmosphere, producing a non-carbonized source of energy. So th they can't be overstated that this is a phenomenal discovery and it may be you know, 10, 20 years before they figure out how to you know, utilize it. But with so many young people being brainwashed to think the world's going to be destroyed by 1930 or by 2030, they need some hope. So knowing about this enzyme and talking about this, it's common in the soil. Uh, so it's easily found, which could be easily generated and can convert this hydrogen right out of the air into electrical current. This is amazing. It says it works even in minute concentrations of air of 0. 0.000. O, I think it's four O's, five percent of the air. So just a wide range of settings where this enzyme could produce this electricity and um, from thin air. It's a game changer. I think it's awesome. Uh, I wanted to share that with you guys. Next, the oldest sea reptile from the age of dinosaurs is found on the Arctic island. Okay, so what does that mean? Um, at physics.org, Uppsala University tells us about this and I was thinking wow you know look at this picture they show this ferocious I don't know what it is it looks kind of like a dolphin body but it's got kind of almost I don't know the the mouth is much longer and then as I read this article uh, it says scientists have been searching for almost 200 years for origins of seagoing reptiles from the age of the dinosaurs and a team of Swedish and Norwegian Paleontologists have discovered the remains of, guess what it is? Ichosaurus. Ichosaurus, the so-called fish lizard. And um, so they found this. It's a new discovery, and it's only a hip bone. Not very big. A couple little pieces. But it's a first-time discovery in that area, so they're pretty excited. Um, it has happened from a lot of snow melt. And... Um, there you go. So good good for them being able to find that. 800-year-old treasure. Um, we talked about this, I think, but if you they've always are updating it, so I thought I'd share it again. Oh my or let's see, what is this? Oh oh okay. Oh my mag 
www.ohmymag.co.uk. So it's O-H-M-Y-M-A-G.co.uk, and it, it's called Oh My Mag, with an explanation point behind O. They tell us, uh, Ali Postma tells us about this treasure being found. They've got videos here as well, but uh, about 800-year-old treasure found in northern Germany with a metal detector by an amateur who found this. They found rings, brooches, coins, earrings, and two very high-quality gold earrings set with semi-precious stones, a pseudo-coin brooch, brooch, excuse me, two gilded stone-studded finger rings, uh, a ring fragment, small uh, gilded disc, a ring, a brooch, 30 other silver coins, some of them heavily fragmented. But one of the earrings is quite beautiful, and um, they're cabochons, basically. Um, some are oval, some are kind of square or rectangle, and uh, it's a beautiful piece, stunning gem-colored, covered uh, gold earrings discovered there, Byzantine earrings and Islamic-style coin found by uh, a town in Germany, which was key to the Viking trade at that time, about 800 years ago. So kind of cool. You can check that out if you want. Now, 606, excuse me, $6.5 billion worth of jewelry to be sold. According to globalnewswire.com, at the Brainy Insights, Global Newswire, by the notified, they tell us uh, Demi fine jewelry market size worth $6.5 billion by 2030. And uh, the article basically goes into all this jewelry. It has been going up. You can download several different uh, reports and PDFs. This is kind of a market uh, release, so it could be forward looking um, and, uh, you know, sometimes blown out of proportion. But they feel that the semi precious stones that are just as simple, simply laid with uh, sterling silver, 14 karat or 18 karat gold overlay, not even solid gold, uh, crystals like amethyst and semi-precious stones will add to their ability to push the market up to that level, 6.5 billion by 2030. And we're not even talking about diamonds or sapphires or anything like that. That's how much jewelry is being sold through some of these areas. So, next. Rare display of Hawaii uh, crystals and gems in the spring showcase. Make sure I'm still recording here. If you go to khon2.com, this is their local news, Cajon uh, 2, or Cajon, and um, Cheyenne... Sibley tells us all about it. Now, there's not a lot of geology in Hawaii for rock hounds and uh, mineral lovers that, uh, uh, you know, really in general, but there's a lot of volcanic things to be studied there that are great for geologists. Of course, there's a, a several volcanic minerals and things like that, but some of the things that you can find from Hawaii and will be displayed here at this Rock and Mineral Society of Hawaii hosting their spring show here. It will be March the 25th. It's going to be at the Hyatt Regatsine Waikiki Hotel in the main tower 
at the uh, in their ballroom on the second floor. They've got free parking and admission, and it's going to be uh, Saturday the 25th through March the 26th. You can go there and see all these beautiful minerals. They'll talk about the geology. They'll talk about quartz that's found in uh, in on Oahu, sulfur on the Big Island, uh, gypsum on Oahu also or Oahu, and um, analcline, chasbazite, lumontite and others. I'm sure they will have the uh, Tears of Pele there, which is the olivine or uh, peridot mineral, which was uh, found in Hawaii. You can find it on some of the islands. So quite a few minerals and things that you can see there. Uh, Go check it out. Check it out if you're in Hawaii. All right. Um, I have a bunch of information on uh, sat tuckite, the value, the price, and the jewelry information. Now, uh, sat tuckite is a beautiful blue mineral and gemstone. Um, it can be found in lap- lapidary quality, and it can be found siliconized, and it can be found as mineral specimens, something that you wouldn't want to use as a cabochon because it's just not the right consistency. <coughs> Excuse me, very beautiful. It is a rich blue color, very popular, but the material is not abundant and is seldom seen on the market. So if you go to gemsociety.org and you look up Shetukite, you will see information on it and pictures. Joel E. Areem, who is a PhD, and uh, Donald Clark, who also has some titles behind his name, are accredited with this article, beautiful Mineral specimen is there um, where these uh, bubbles of, um, of it in crystalline form, very rare, uh, found in a remote part of Nambia, known for its shielite, uh, also can be found in Copper Valley area here in Mesopotamia, and this is a beautiful specimen. These are where some of the beautiful ones could be. The pictures were donated by Rob Levinsky. And uh, they have that there. Now, the rock or the mineral itself, its properties, um, it has a a very good cleavage that goes in two directions. Colors are blue and various shades. Um, It can be fibrous. Crystals are slender and prismatic. It can be massive or granular. Uh, The fracture can be uneven or splintery. Its hardness is kind of soft when it's just by itself, about 3.5, but we're going to talk about how it can be better. It has a uh, vitreous to silky luster. Um, What else? Um, Specific gravity, 3.8 to 4 point. Cabajons can be cut up to several inches in length when found. And uh, it says here that uh, there is a uh, Shatukite mine in Bisbee, Arizona with a dense blue massive material, also pseudomorphs with uh, malachite in them. Uh, It is in align with the copper minerals in Arizona at the Katanga Zare. Masses of light blue crystals, fibrous radiant aggregates, sometimes resembling a pale blue um, uh, 
pertolite, which is basically like some, I think it's something that's like dripped out of a cave and uh, form kind of like um, malachite. It can, it can form like that as well. So shiitakeite is often mixed with quartz. When it is, that is a good day because uh, it makes it much harder. Those cabajon, that material makes great cabajons, very rich. Uh, it can be very rich, blue in color, very popular. Not very abundant and not seen on the market very often. I, I may have a source I'm looking at. Very excited about getting some. We'll see if that happens. Um, the shiitakeite mine shows that uh, it is often confused with uh, another mineral called planchitite, which is similar, but uh, the mineral, the makeup is not the same. Uh, let's see, what else can we find? I have another uh, bit on it here. If you go to uh, min ID, M-I-N-I-D, or mindat.org, there is a uh, write-up on it here with some photos. And um, there's a write-up here from Robert Levinsky, um, which I think his name showed up before. He says, Shatukite is a relatively rare copper species that seldom forms good crystals. And in the case of this picture he has, it actually formed a huge phenomenal crystal as a replacement of a relatively large pre-existing Cooperite crystal resulting in what we call a pseudomorph. It is 4.5 centimeter Cooperite crystal, variegated dark blue with sky blue color because it's actually a composite of both Shatukite and uh, Chrysocolla. While many pseudomorphs of such large crystals are mushy or soft in appearance, this one is fully preserved in shape and uh, quite beautiful with a few patches of Chrysocolla and Malachite also present uh, in the piece. Only a small handful of specimens have ever remotely approached this level of quality in size. It makes it amazing. Um, goes into some other information about the pseudomorph. He says they're never common, rarely come up for sale. I imagine uh, probably be selling that one for a big chunk of money. It's quite beautiful. So there was that. Um, now, that is about all I have on Chetukite. Um, next, our final story for the day, the cargo mine. Um, the cargo gold mine, let me, uh, let me just back up for a here, second here. Um, it says the cargo mine is located in the low western hills. This is from our friends at goldrushexpeditions.com. And uh, the site was reclaimed by the state of California in 2002. Um, couple shafts were plugged up, but it can still be mined and permitted according to this. Plugs could be removed. You could restore underground uh, access. There is so much quartz and pyrite material in the dumps that uh, that could be mined. 0.478 ounces per gold average, they say, in these, uh, that material. There are a lot of shafts and everything else. It's located west of the patented Tumco property, um, which has been worked over and over again. Now, the gold in the cargo, Muchacha Mountains, is well known and has a long history. Gold mining began in 1660, but only lasted a short time. 
Originally known as the Sierra de San Pablo, the cargo muchachos were first described by Spanish explorer Father Francisco Garcis, who recorded rich-looking surface ore in 1776 when America was first uh, declaring its independence. And then in 1858, the American and Mexican miners encountered placer deposits in the Cargo Mountain area. Work included about 350 Mexicans and five Americans. And uh, a man named Venezuela made strikes at uh, in that general area in 1861 where other Mexican families were already prospecting. Rich placer deposits were discovered at La Paz, 60 miles north of Yuma. And then uh, other stuff was found uh, around that same time period. Mexican prospectors recovered gold from the arid sands using dry washing techniques developed in Sonora. And then uh, hostility arose, probably people trying to steal their claims, uh, gringos and such, according to this. Established in 1862, the cargo uh, Muchacho Mining District was redefined several times in later years, and small mining uh, continued throughout the 1860s and 1870s in this very inhospitable environment. Not much happened um, from the, man, the Spanish coloners, uh, colonists or colonizers, whatever you want to call them, whatever's proper, and uh, so on and so forth. So all through the 1780s and the 1850s, work was done from Spanish to Mexican miners. It says uh, they were digging shallow pits by hand, uh, processing ore in rasters, and uh, so on and so forth. They found gold by looking for horses and on their way to Los Angeles in 1861. The cargo mine is one of the first deposits mined in Imperial County. It was located in 1877 by Thomas Porter Neat in EET. By 1882, 14,000 tons of ore had been mined, averaging $12 per ton. So that would be probably about a half an ounce at that time per ton. The mine was surveyed for patent in 1892, but I don't think it happened. Total production probably exceeds more than 25,700 ounces of gold. The mine is developed by a 680-foot inclined shaft at the north end vein and a 200 vertical shaft one, about 1,100 feet south of the deep shaft. Most of the stopes are below the third level, and as far north as 800 feet, the main shaft was explored. Several surface shafts, shallow shafts, and another 125-foot audit was driven north uh, about 1,000 points. 70 degrees west of the main shaft. So this is all through the 1890s, through the 1930s, 1940s, until about 1952 that all that happened. The deposit is believed to be a detachment, a detachment fault related gold deposit consisting of replacement mineralization along with a low angle detachment or fault to an extensional fault system in the Cargo Mountains. Mineralization is hosted wholly within the Tumaco Formation. And they go on to talk about 
the brownish gray silica zones that contain hematite, magnetite, quartz, mica, feldspar, chlorite, blue copper oxides, and native gold containing very little silver. So whenever you hear that chlorite, you could, you could, and blue copper oxides, uh, you know, there's probably some neat minerals in that area. But anyway, they are selling this uh, claim for, I believe, I believe it was 36, uh, let me see if I can find it. Huh, why didn't it pop up? Let's go, oh, here we go. They are selling it for, where's the money? Where, where, where? They've got maps. Here it is, it's offered at just over $32,000. So they're not sponsors of the show or anything, but I love reading about the mining history and I wanted to share that with you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.